When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Politics overly represents wealthy and connected older white men. That's typically who politics is full of, and it's not dramatic to say so. It's traditionally been hard to get into politics if you don't fit this description. We've seen a lot of progress over the last decade, but we still have a long way to go for our government to actually look like the American public which is something that we should strive for so that the government actually represents the diverse breadth of experiences, perspectives, and lives of its citizenry. When the government looks like the people it represents, it's a win for all. This is Sounds Good. I'm Brandon Harvey. Running for office is something that most of us never even consider doing. Not for lack of caring, but usually for a lack of access. It usually takes a lot of money and connections to run for office, which most quote-unquote regular people don't have. But serving in office truly makes an impact, especially on the local level. There's an organization that makes it easier for people to run for office, run for something, Run for Something recruits and supports young candidates from diverse and non-traditional backgrounds, especially those who may not otherwise have the resources to run. Today's guest is Amanda Littman, the co-founder and executive director of Run for Something. Amanda has a decade of experience in politics, including campaign fundraising stints with Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. She believes that running for office, whether locally or at the state or federal level, truly makes a difference. Check out these stats. Between 2017 and 2020, the organization has helped elect nearly 500 candidates to office in 46 states. In the 2017 Virginia elections, Run for Something endorsed candidates won more than 40% of their races, which is nearly four times the average for first-time candidates. Amanda has a wealth of experience and knowledge to share, and you're going to leave this episode feeling encouraged that not only is it super important to get involved in politics, especially locally, but it's actually easier than you might have thought. Can you tell me what is Run for Something and and how did it get started? So Run for Something is an organization that was born of the ashes of the 2016 election. So I'm a campaign hack. I grew up in Virginia, went to school in Chicago, started working for Barack Obama when I was a senior. Um, I worked for him through his re-election campaign, then for his nonprofit, then for the Florida governor's race. And then I spent two years working for Secretary Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign as her email director. So online fundraising, that kind of thing. Uh, When we lost, I was devastated and and heartbroken and angry and all of the feelings that everyone felt uh, i was i was done i thought i was done <laughs> um but about a week after the election i got a facebook message from somebody i went to college with 
Hey, Amanda, you've been working in politics for a while. You seem to know this world. I'm a public school teacher. They keep cutting our budgets. And if that guy can be president, uh, it seems like anybody can do this. What do I do? (laughs) And, you know, in November 2016, I didn't have an answer for him. Because at the time, if you were young, if you were newly excited about politics, and if you wanted to do more than vote and more than volunteer, there was nowhere you could go that would be guaranteed to answer your call. So I reached out to a whole bunch of people, one of whom became my co-founder, Ross Morales Riquetto, who's got about 15 years in campaigns. And we sat down and wrote a plan about building an organization that would solve this problem, that would create an entry point for people who had never thought about becoming politicians, never thought about running for office before. How can we find more of them and then help them into the system? We launched Run for Something all in Inauguration Day in 2017, January 20th. Rise and shine. (laughs) Um, We thought it'd be really small. We thought, oh, cool, we'll get 100 people in the first year. This will be a cool hobby. In the first week, 1,000 people signed up. And as of today, (laughs) more than 70,000 young people all across the country have raised their hands to say, I want to run for office. What's next? So we built a program that, that does that, that answers that question. How do you actually run for office? That is incredible. Like that's such an astounding number, but also at the same time it doesn't feel surprising to me at all because of the number of people I know who are saying I know that I have something to give. I know that I want to make a difference and so I'm going to show up in this completely new way. And so what is the problem with the current elected establishment? Like why is it important that new people are running for office? Well, you know, government is not something that is distinct from the people who are a part of it. Government is not a robot. It's not a machine. It's not even an algorithm. (laughs) Government is people sitting in rooms making decisions. So it really matters who's in that room. And I think we sometimes get distracted by thinking, oh, it's only about Congress. It's only about the White House. It's only about like Supreme Court. No, there are half a million elected offices in the United States most of them are not in DC. Most of them are not federal. Most of them are not full-time jobs. They are teachers by day and school board members by night or artists who happen to also serve on the library board or small business owners or restaurant workers who are also on city councils. They're real people who are making decisions that affect things like the quality of our schools and whether our streets are paved, whether our, our water is clean and our air is healthy. Um, it is really, really important that the people in these rooms are reflective of the American people. And up until about four or five years ago, there were huge groups who were really being left out of the conversation, which has a direct impact on the policy outcomes. Um, I think about the fact that as of maybe four or five years ago, fewer than 5% of state legislators, of which there are more than 7,000, were under the age of 35. That's not to say that there isn't like generational value in having older folks in leadership, but there are some really serious problems that young people are facing that if we're not in the room, they're not going to be prioritized. You know, think about an issue like housing. If everyone in the room is a landlord or a homeowner, then renters, for a lot of people are renters, are not having their perspective heard in a conversation about housing. And it applies to basically every issue you can imagine and every demographic from women to uh, black women, to people of color, to indigenous folks, to LGBTQ communities, but also to things like class and professional experience. You know, for the most part, our government has been made up of, you know, forgive me if this applies to you, but rich old white men. 
And that's not the only people they're trying to represent and trying to lead. Um, so I think it's really important that we have government that reflects the people of this country. It's so encouraging to think about, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm always thinking about casting a vision for what the future looks like and then just working towards that goal. And that's something that's just so easy to visualize. Like, what if our elected leaders looked just like the people who are in my community, the people that they represent? And there, you can put a numerical value on that to some degree, and it's like a data-driven thing that you can work towards. What about people who just feel like, I am just an artist. I am just a teacher. I am just blank. How can you help somebody who feels like that, like know that they are more than qualified to take on an elected role in their community? Well, there's this snarky and often true answer of like, have you seen some of the idiots that are in charge? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You ever watched like a congressional hearing about technology and having to see us explain how like Google works to, to members of Congress or sat in on a city council meeting and like really listened. It doesn't take anything special, but I will say that's not true overall. There are some really, really good public servants and especially over the last couple of years, it's really shifted. Um, and I would like to remind people that a, you aren't born a politician. Nobody is born a candidate running for office. Nobody is by default like a, a governor or a mayor or a school board member. The way you become that is a lot like the way you become a teacher or an artist or a writer. You do it and then you become it. You you make you become a musician by making music. You become a politician by running for office. And for the most part, this is not the kind of thing where you need to go to school for a special degree. It's not the kind of thing where you need to be uh, tapped on the shoulder necessarily. Um, it's not even the kind of thing where you have to have special training. The only requirements for running for office, you know, outside of some age restrictions and maybe of like residency requirement, depending on the office, is that you need to care. You need to be willing to listen. Mm. You need to be able to identify the problem you want to solve and how the office you're running for lets you solve it. Everything else, and I mean everything else, from how to run a campaign to how to actually govern, can be taught. Because it's not rocket science. <laughs> it's it's listening, it's learning, it's it's talking, it's occasionally arguing, it's communicating. But it is something that you can learn if you're willing to have the passion for it and to do the work about it. I love that. I love this idea that you are qualified if you care. At the same time, there there are some systemic obstacles to getting into that office. Like I, I think that anybody who cares can genuinely thrive in, you know, an elected place. But what about the steps that it takes to get there? It, you know, historically, I think about the need for you, you kind of mentioned being tapped on the shoulder. You know, it kind of alludes to this idea of needing connections or uh, needing a lot of money. How do we overcome those obstacles to get good people who care into office? Yeah, I mean, I I never want to bullshit people and tell them that running for office is easy. Like, it's not. It's really fucking hard. It's really, really hard. It will be the hardest thing you ever do. It is a sacrifice of your time and your family and your relationships and your self-esteem. It's hard. And to a person, every candidate run for something has worked with has told us that it it has been worth it. And that, to me is something that's just like so beautiful. I, so on the Run for Something podcast, which 
please go subscribe, listen, super fun. Yes. Um, I had a conversation with three trailblazers. Um, we did an episode with Danica uh, Rome, who was the first openly trans lawmaker in the country. Brianna Titone, who was the first openly trans lawmaker in Colorado. And Sarah McBride, who most recently was elected as the state senator in Delaware and is the highest ranking trans official, elected official in the country. And one of the things that Sarah said in particular that has stuck with me is that if you want to love your community, if you want to fall in love with the place you live, run for office. Because the conversations you will have with your neighbors and your uh, community members will show you who they are in a way that you will never see otherwise. Which is to say, uh, it's a long way of answering your question about the systemic barriers, but it is to say that it is worth it, even though it is hard, and that there are ways that we can structurally make it easier. You know, things like figuring out how to raise money. Um, you know, only seventy-five percent of school board races cost a thousand dollars or less. Eighty-five percent cost five thousand dollars or less. So incredible. So, yeah, these campaigns are actually more affordable than you'd think. They're still not cheap, but they're more affordable than you'd think. We can teach you how to raise money. Um, we can teach you how to like get a voter file. We can teach you what the voter file is if you don't know. Um, we can teach you how to help you find campaign staff and volunteers and get press and write a plan and learn policy positions. All of those things we can teach you. Um, there's some real structural barriers about pay, about time, uh, about things like even as small as do your city council meetings have child care as part of the process? Maybe, maybe not. You know, the thing I, I always like to remind folks is somebody has to go first and then change the structure so that they can bring other people in with them. Um, and we've seen that across the country, especially around, um, most prominently around childcare issues. You know, the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, changed the rules in 2018 to allow federal campaigns to use campaign funds to pay for childcare, which opens the doors to more parents running for office. Um, but it's still a state-by-state -state issue for anyone running for things that are non-federal. And Run for Something has worked with at least a half a dozen candidates who have fought for and won that change for state and local candidates. Um, and some of them have then gone on to win and, for example, set up little childcare situations inside state capitals or forced the state legislature to come up with a position on um, breastfeeding in the capital or in the chamber and create places for, for moms to do that. Um, you know, when new people enter these structures, they're able to change them to make them more accommodating. That is such good news and energizing to think about. And as my final question before we take a quick break. I understand that we are seeing a lot of good news just over the last month when it comes to people signing up to run for office. Can you tell me about some of the good news that you're seeing? Yeah. So we were really not sure what was going to happen in 2021. Uh, we weren't sure if people would still be ready to run for office, if like Joe Biden becoming the next president and Democrats controlling the House and the Senate would sort of like damper people's enthusiasm. But so far, since Election Day 2020, we've had more than 7,500 people sign up to run for office. And in fact, more than 5,000 of them have come in in 2021 alone. Whoa, that's amazing. Yeah, it's like this is not even a response to, to Trump. It's not even in response to like any particular instance, although the insurrection certainly played a part, winning Georgia certainly played a part, you know, National Run for Office Day, our big recruitment holiday certainly played a part. But it, what it really tells me is that people are eager and excited to take charge and to own, you know, our own fate. And especially over the last year we've had where things have felt so out of control and like sometimes we feel very hopeless that 
more than 7,500 people just in the last couple of months have said, no, I want to be in the room where we're making decisions about my life and my future and my family and my home. Like the future is so bright. It's so bright. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Amanda will lay out how to run for office or even how to begin to explore what you might want to run for. And it is so much easier than you might think. Sounds Good is sponsored by Happily. Happily is the maker of Datebox. You can get everything you need for a fun romantic date night every month so you can spend more time with the one you love the most. I love Datebox. I've been getting these boxes for years and every date is just so high quality and genuinely so much fun. It's everything you need for a romantic and fun date night right in your home, right in a box. So kiss your boring dates goodbye. Happily creates unique, exciting dates you can't get anywhere else. They even include a custom playlist and conversation starters for your date. They even include a custom playlist and conversation starters for your date. With easy sign-up, flexible plans, and fast shipping directly to you, what more could you ask for? Take the pressure off date night and get your first date box for 50% off. That's 5-0, half off. Just visit thehappily.co and use the code good, 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 all one word. One more time, that's thehappily.co and get 50% off with the code good, good, good. Sounds Good is sponsored by Libro FM. Libro FM is the company that lets you support a local bookstore every time you download an audiobook. And if you followed me for very long at all, you know that I love audiobooks. And maybe you're listening to this episode of the podcast where we're talking about politics. Maybe there's a political book that you're interested in. I know that I loved Barack Obama's newest book. It was beautiful, thoughtful. He read it himself, which was really fun. But the thing is, it's like 40 bucks. It's so expensive. But with Libro FM, Here's the deal. Here's how Libro FM works. I'll just tell you. Libro FM members get one audiobook credit per month for only $14.99. And you can use it on any audiobook you want, even Barack Obama's newest memoir. You can also get 30% off all other audiobooks. And here's the thing. If you don't use your credits, no problem. Keep your unused credits for later. And if you get a book, you find out you don't love it, again, no problem. Just return it and get a new one. Lastly, when you buy audiobooks through Libro FM, you help support a local bookstore of your choosing. I chose Broadway Books just down the street from my house. You keep money with your local economy, you create local jobs, and make a difference in your community. And here's where things get amazing. As a special offer for Sounds Good listeners, Libro FM is offering two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership with the code good. That brings the price on Barack Obama's memoir down to like, I'm not going to do the math while I'm recording, but it's way lower than it would be if you just bought the print copy or whatever. All you have to do is visit the website libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and use the promo code good to get started with two audiobooks and to help support this show. 
as you're talking, I, my brain is literally just moving with, oh, I wonder what elected offices there are in my town, in my county. You know, what are the things I could do on the side of good, good, good? Like, how can I get involved? Like, I'm really energized. And I would imagine that a lot of listeners are as well. And so how does one go about getting started running for office? Maybe you could walk me through the steps. Yes. Okay. So first thing you do, if you're thinking about what you want to run for, even just like maybe one day in the future, just like curiosity, go to runforwhat.net. You can enter your name, your address, and we'll show you what offices are on the ballot for you in 2021. Full stop. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Super cool. You will also then get added to the Run for Something pipeline, which will give you a bunch of information, very you know, regular cadence of materials, trainings, resources, just to like start to marinate on, percolate over, like sit in your brain for a little bit. Super helpful and stuff. And that's an action step you can take before you have any clue what you want to do. It's just saying, this is maybe interesting. You don't need to, it's not a commitment. It's not like a promise. It's just letting us know that you're thinking about it so that we can keep you updated with information that might help you make up your mind. I would also highly suggest, and this is a little bit of shameless self-promo, <laughs> subscribe to the Run for Something podcast. Get the Run for Something book, which I wrote a couple years ago. It's like a, a real like written guide on how to run for office. Both of those things will be helpful. Okay, so you've got the book, you've got the podcast, you've signed up, you're all Run for Something branded out. Perfect. Step two, start really thinking about the problem you want to solve and what office might let you solve it. Uh, maybe the thing that really gets you out of bed in the morning is climate change. And the best place for you to do that realistically is like city council because you can think about energy delivery and recycling programs and maybe getting your city to sign on, you know, in alignment with the Paris Accords. And there's a whole bunch of ways you could do that. Maybe the thing that really gets you fired up um, is arts funding, you know, helping the humanities in your city. Maybe that's the school board and making sure that classrooms get the best kind of arts funding they need. Maybe that's city council, maybe it's state legislature. I really encourage you to think about the big problem that has local solutions, um, both because local office is the best place to start. <laughs> uh, it's like your first sort of rung on the resume in terms of public service, but also because it's the place where you can make the biggest impact the fastest. One of my favorite the parts about working with candidates running for local office is that you get to see almost immediate results. Things just move quicker. Um, there's less bureaucracy and you get to like live the, the impact, which means that the wins come quicker and the more it's easier to stay excited about it. So think about the problem you want to solve. Think about the office, ideally the local one that will give you space to solve it. Three, once you've sort of got that sort of idea around and maybe you've done a little research about like what the offices are, start to learn the rules. Um, politics, in it's not a game. It's absolutely not a game. And in some ways, it's kind of like a game. <laughs> there are rules. <laughs> there are clear rules. There are things like, how do you actually get on the ballot? Um, how many signatures do you need? What's the deadline? Uh, what are what might change in the upcoming couple of years? Like things like redistricting and redrawing of the, the borders that might change what's available to you. So really learn the rules. You know, you don't want to be disqualified for something that you could have prevented. Uh, fourth thing is to make sure that you're plugged into your community. Um, especially when you're thinking about running for something local, the greatest currency you're going to have are your relationships with others. So especially right now when everything is virtual, like it's quite easy to sit in on a city council meeting. You don't even have to leave your home. <laughs> <laughs> Start to get to know local organizers, local activists, local leaders. 
you would be surprised how accessible some of your local elected officials are. If you're thinking about running for city council one day or thinking about running for state ledge one day, especially if you're not going to run against them, although even if you are, go ahead and reach out to your local elected officials and tell them you're thinking about it and you just want to learn more about the process. That's also something Run for Something will do as part of our pipeline program. We'll connect you to other folks who've run before, often in similar circumstances like yourself, but you can also feel free to do so locally. The final thing I would highly recommend, um, especially if you're not thinking about running for the next in like the immediate term, you know, 2021, 2022, but if you're thinking like 23, 24 or beyond, really start volunteering on local campaigns. Again, because you'll meet the people who will help you, but also because you'll get to really understand what makes a good or a bad local campaign. They're very different in a lot of ways than the bigger ones, like the presidentials, where you're you're often just a cog in the bigger you know, movement machine, um, on a local level, you can very quickly go from super volunteer to <laughs> campaign manager in a couple of months, often just by being the person who shows up most reliably. Um, that's not something you necessarily have to do if you want to run for office every day, but one day, but it's really useful both to get to know the players in your community and to make sure that this is a, a kind of job you would want. I love hearing just these like small steps that all of us can take, even just to get the ball rolling for the future. I'm wondering if maybe to kind of close out the show, you could tell me the inspiring story of somebody who has stepped up and chosen to run for office and then succeeded in getting into that office and making a difference. So here's one, because you can take an immediate action at the end. In 2017, a woman named Jennifer Carol Foy reached out to us to say she was thinking about running for state legislature. It was going to be a tough primary. Um, the person that the party had picked was already in it. He had run before. She didn't. Nobody thought she could win. Oh, and she also had just found out she was pregnant with twins. You know, she was a she's a black woman. She's a former magisterial judge. She was a foster mom. She was a public defender. She had been graduated from the Virginia Military Institute. Had been one of the first women to graduate from it. But she was like, I can do this. I am tough. So she ended up winning her primary for Virginia House of Delegates by 10 votes. Whoa. Gave birth to preemie twins, these adorable two little boys, who ended up in the NICU over, like, for a, a long period of time while they were still like, you know, fully finishing baking. Um, so she would campaign every day, knock doors every day, go across Northern Virginia and really connect with voters every day and then go visit her little babies at night. She ended up winning against the Republican, flipping the seat red to blue in the Virginia House of Delegates, being one of 15 new members, 11 of whom were women, in 2017. She then in 2018 helped pass Medicaid expansion, to be expanding health care to nearly 400,000 Virginians. She also led on ratifying the Equal Rights Amendment which is now you know, kicked back to Congress to finalize. In 2019, she ran for re-election and held her seat and gave Virginia Democrats officially control of the Virginia House of Delegates, which was huge, and they have made so much progress since then. She is now running for governor, and if she wins, she will be the first Black woman governor in America, the first millennial governor in America, I think she's going to be president one day. But when, you know, when I think about like, how can normal people do this. Jennifer always says, she says, like, I eat no for breakfast. <laughs> People tell me no, and I smile. I look pretty. I say thank you for your feedback, and I keep doing what I'm doing. Because she and like so many of the amazing candidates we've worked with, you know, Run for Something's elected nearly 500 people, mostly women, mostly people of color, a fifth LGBTQ, 
across the country. Every single one of them has a story like Jennifer's. They are passionate. They are committed. They went through some hard times in the process and they came out on top because they were willing to do the work. And it watching them go from citizen to candidate to public servant and seeing the impact of what they're doing, whether it's expanding the right to the to vote or passing ambitious climate change legislation or helping people during the pandemic get food and health care. I mean, it is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's what democracy is supposed to be about. Normal people, regular people taking control of our fate. It's awesome. That's Amanda Littman, the co-founder and executive director of Run for Something. If you want to run for office, explore your options and get more information at runforwhat.net. And if you want to support people running for office, an amazing way to do that is to make a donation at runforsomething.net. This podcast was created by Good Good Good. At Good Good Good, we help you feel more hopeful and do more good. You can find more good news and ways to make a difference in our weekly email newsletter, our beautiful print good newspaper, or online at goodgoodgood.com. This episode was created by Kaylee Thompson, Megan Burns, and me, Brandon Harvey. It was edited and sound designed by the team at Sound On Studios, and you can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. Please do us a favor by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And when you find an episode you love, please share it on Instagram so we can repost you. And with that, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and search for one area where you or someone you know could make an impact in office. And we'll be back next week with more good news and good action. Sound good?